Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Father God, we ask you that today you will move however you want, Father. That you will open our ears and our hearts to receive your word, Father God. And that you will minister to us, Father. I pray that um, our spirits will be stirring up. That you'll stir up our spirits and prepare us to receive what you are going to say. But also prepare us to what you're calling us to do, Father. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to continue moving how you've been moving. This is not our plan. This is not our meeting. It is yours, Father. So we ask you to move freely. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When we came, um, one of the first weeks, my son Elias was, I think, three years old. And um, we were here probably for three or four weeks at New Life. And one day just at home, I was walking um, close to his room, and I could hear him talk. And I'm like, what? Who's he talking to? So I just go and stand in the door, and he's playing with his cars, and he's saying, I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. I will never be the same. And he kept on repeating. And I, I had no clue that he was listening and like paying attention but it, it was crazy to me to see how three four weeks here were already the word was already growing in him and how he was um, catching this right so um, we are going to talk about um, the temple rebuilding the temple today and I want you guys to know that when Pastor Rick told me that I was going to pre preach I said Okay, I already, I've been talking about this for a long time, so it's not going to be hard. We're going to go through the book of Haggai. It's only two chapters. That's why I picked the book of Haggai. And then I can tell the pastor, we went through a whole book of the Bible. But I said, um, I said we're going to go through the book of Haggai. And let me just tell you that <laughs> this past week I read Nehemiah, Ezra, Zechariah, and we're going to start with David. So we are going to get to Haggai at some point, but for you guys to have an idea of how the Lord was just moving um, moving me around, and now you can pray for my husband because that's usually how our conversations happen too. Uh, we're talking about one thing, and then I go all over. But I just feel that the Lord um, has been putting something in my heart for a long time, and he's just complimenting. And I know that this is a word for us today. Um, so we are going to start reading um, 2 Samuel chapter 7 from verses 1 to 11 and we should have that up and I'm going to read it here so you can always um, follow if you have your Bible read it too um, and it says the Lord's covenant with David now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies the king said to Nathan the prophet see now I dwell in a house of cedar but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David, 
thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I have been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people of Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture from following the sheep that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make you make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. So I read this many times in my life. And this verse just like kept on jumping at me. The Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. And if we talk about that word house, it means dwelling, a habitation, but it also means a family. It also means a household, right? So if we talk about David and who David was, many of us are going to say that he was the guy that killed the giant, right? Um, then many of us, the ones that are a little judgmental, are going to say he's the one that killed that man to sleep with his wife. Then many of us are going to say he's the one that was... Um, that was being chased by Saul, right? So he has a lot of history, and you can read his life. It's just amazing, and a lot of attributes. But he is mostly remembered as the man after God's heart. And something that he always talked about was the house of the Lord. Now, let me tell you, in his time, God didn't have a house. And you can find he was probably in a, in a tent, but since the first, the, the way it goes, the order, and I'll show you guys that, is Moses built a tent for God, a house for God, a tabernacle, right? And then in history, you can see that the next thing that was built for God, it was Solomon's temple. So during the reign of, of David, he kept on talking about the house of the Lord. He kept on talking about that. And we're going to read some verses about that. So Psalms 42, 4 says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of the Lord with glad shouts and songs of praise. And then Psalms 84, it says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My song longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. And then he continues another psalm. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and this was his thing, his one thing of life was this, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, right? So 
we also know that verse that is in Psalms 23. We all know it. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here we have David, a king, that everything that he's talked about, everything he's chased has been the house of the Lord when there was no house. So that was his one thing of life. To, to, to look for that, right? And the word dwell in the Psalms 23, that it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It means, yes, a tabernacle, a temple, but specifically here, it talks about a dwelling house, a palace, the house of a God. So he had the vision of building something for the Lord, but he didn't wait until he could build something for the Lord to worship him. His whole life, was searching for his presence. His whole life was being a place where God's presence could dwell. He built a house. Who was the house? He was the house where God could dwell and he could have a relationship with him, right? So we know that being in God's presence meant everything to David. Since he shared such a close relationship with the Lord, David could picture himself as a permanent resident in God's house. And we know that, right? As believers, we know that the presence of God is where we want to dwell. We know that that should be our greatest desire. Um, and David understood this, but David lived in a complete different time than us, right? We are living post-Jesus, post-resurrection. We're living um, with the example of Acts and, and, and Paul and the, and the disciples. And here we have a David that loved the Lord so much that the desire of his heart was not to kill giants, was not to go against their enemies, was not. It was to build a house for the Lord. And he would do whatever God will ask him to do. And he would always talk about the house of the Lord, the dwelling place for the Lord, right? So was he called a man after God's heart because of what he was doing? No, but what, what his heart was chasing, and it was ch chasing the presence and the dwelling place for God, okay? So he keeps on talking about the, the house of the Lord, and we know that he was a worshiper. So guess what happens? After um, he becomes king, what's the first thing that he does? He asks, where is the Ark of Covenant? Back in that time, the Ark of Covenant represented the presence of God. God was dwelling in that place. The first thing he does is not a coronation, it's not a party. He asks, where is the presence of the Lord? And he decides to bring this presence, to, to bring the Ark to where he was and builds a tent, right? And when he builds a tent, he grabs, I don't know how many thousands of people, and instead of preparing them for war to continue fighting with his enemies, he tells them, we're going to worship 24-7. So he not only brings the presence of God, but he gives access to the people of Israel to have a dwelling place to worship the Lord. And right, and there's 24-7 worship. But David was, David didn't have what we have today, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, the, he didn't have revelations. In one verse on revelations, we are going to read it talks about heaven and it's Revelations 4 and it says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around under its wings day and night. They never stopped singing, Holy, 
Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then there it talks about on verse 10, the 24 elders would fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives in the ever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. So what are we seeing here? David had an idea of what heaven looked like. And he wanted to have that idea on earth. He brings the Ark of Covenant and says, we're going to worship God 24-7. And even though we cannot compare heaven and earth, we can know that a man according to God's heart, like David was, understood the designs of heaven and wanted to leave heaven on earth. And then when Jesus comes on Matthew 6, he's teaching us how to pray, right? And we're going to read Matthew 6 now. You guys are like, oh my gosh, you went to David, to Revelations. Now we're back in Matthew. <laughs> but we're, we're getting somewhere, so please stay with me. In Matthew it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And we like the whole prayer, right? Give us the daily bread, forgive our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and let us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But this part, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is his will for us, that we can live on earth as it is in heaven. In my house, as it is in heaven. In my life, as it is in heaven. In my family, as it is in heaven. In my church, as it is in heaven. In my community, as it is in heaven. And here we have a David that didn't know all of this. Never read Matthew, never knew about Revelation, but he knew something. How to spend time in the God's presence and bring the designs of God's heart to earth. And he said, bring the ark and let's worship. 24-7. Where was he getting this? It was the desire of his heart. And we can see later that it was written. It was a design from heaven. So what happens later? David never built a house for the Lord, right? But remember, God told him, you're not building me a house. There are other parts of the Bible that, tell, that God tells him, you have too much blood in your hands because he killed so many of his enemies, right? But that verse that we read at the beginning God tells him, practically, you're not going to build me a house because I have to build your house first. I have to build your family first. And then Solomon, David's son, is the one that builds a house, right? So he built a house for the Lord. And many say that if that house would be still standing, it would be considered one of the wonders of the world today. Okay, so let's kind of, this is just an idea. If we can go to the next one, um, this is what it looked like. The tabernacle was the beginning in the Old Testament, and we can find that in Exodus 25. Um, God gave Israel detailed instructions, right? It was separated. Nobody can, could go into the holy of holy places, and it just had lots of rules and stuff. And then um, the Solomonic temple comes. Some years after they settle into the promised land, this is after Moses, after Joshua, um, King Solomon replaced his temporary structure with a larger statue building called the temple. And as I said, it was beautiful. They had the best materials. People would go to visit. And that's why they would talk also about Solomon's wisdom, right? They would go and visit and, and see also the temple. And then we go to the second temple. What happens here? Centuries later, Babylonian soldiers destroyed this temple, Solomon's temple, and they took Israel away into captivity. So when we talk about Daniel, 
Esther in the Bible, they were the ones that were taken into captivity. And they were into captivity for a long time. So then a prophecy comes and says that the, the captivity was going to finish. I think it was Jeremiah. And that the people were going to be able to go back, right, and rebuild the temple. So there's where we are. So um, we are going to talk about the second temple. The a man named Ezra and Zerubbabel led a construction project to rebuild the temple. So that's why I ended up reading Ezra and Nehemiah and all of that. But I just want us to focus on Haggai now. But many things are taking place here, okay? The people of Israel are going back. Ezra is leading them. Ezra and Nehemiah are prophesying. Then Haggai comes and Zechariah comes. So it's like a whole, I don't know, 40-something years that it takes them to build the temple and to rebuild the walls where they were going to be. So um, Haggai starts telling the people how they've been working on their houses. So we're going to go um, to read Haggai now, okay? Thank you so much for, for walking with me today. <laughs> and, and I pray for patience and grace and even um, that the Lord will give you guys spirit of interpretation because I know my accent is getting thicker and thicker. <laughs> so let's read Haggai 1, a call to build the house of the Lord. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of... S, I'm not going to even try to say his name, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jay, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. The people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house, my house, remains in ruins? So we can see here that the people were saying the time has not come yet, right? How many times have we done that with the promises of God in our lives? It's not time for that promise yet. We have to keep on praying. And there's a certain apathy to that. Um, there was an apathy towards the house of the Lord. And here it says, is it time for yourselves to be living in a paneled house? Your house is looking good, but my house is broken. And, and the people were like, it's not time for that yet. It is not time for that. So this apathy started growing inside of them. But it was honestly never about the house. It was never about the temple. God was talking about their hearts and their priorities and where they were setting their vision. So um, on verse 5, it says, Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but you have never your fill. You put on clothes but you're not warm. You earn, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. When you're not putting the kingdom of God first, when you're not honoring what the Lord is calling you to do, this is the kind of life that you're going to have. And when what, what I was reading in Malachi too, it tells him, tells them like you don't see the fruit of your labor because you're not giving your tithe. You're not honoring God's desires. And here's the same thing for us. If we're not honoring what the Lord is calling us to do, don't expect to be blessed. If your priorities are not focused on what he is calling you to do, this is how we're going to leave. You drink, but you never feel. You put on clothes, but you're not warm, right? So it's not about the temple here. God was looking at their hearts. 
This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains, we're in verse 7, and bring down timber and build my house so that I can take pleasure in it and be what? Honored, says the Lord. You expect much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own houses. Therefore, because of, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. Um, so, what, what, well, first we say, we see that the Lord is telling them, like, you have forgotten what I've asked you to do. There's apathy in your heart. Then it says, go give careful thought to your ways. Think about what you're doing. And it says, go up to the mountains and bring down the materials. If we go through and kind of review the Bible, whenever the Lord would call somebody up to the mountain, something great was going to happen. We can see Abraham took his son, Isaac, up to the mountain to sacrifice him. And then the Lord made a miracle and brought sacrifice. We can see Moses. He was called up to the mountain. And what did he receive? The Ten Commandments. And when he came down, it says that his face was shining. People couldn't, couldn't believe it. They couldn't even see him. So when the Lord calls you up to the mountain, it's not that be up in the mountain so that you're closer to heaven. No, he's calling you to separate yourself. He's calling you to have a time of intimacy with him. And there's always a result when you're in the mountain. Here it says, bring material to build my house. You cannot build the house, the house of the Lord. You cannot build your temple because you are the house of the Lord now if you don't take time to be in the mountain with him. You won't have the designs. You won't have the material. Where did they get the material from? In the mountain. Where did Moses got the instruction for the people? In the mountain. Where did Abraham honor the Lord and got a new revelation of who he was? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. Where? In the mountain. You cannot live and honor God and do what he's calling you to do if you don't take steps and go up to that mountain and hear from him and have intimacy with him. And that's what happened with the people. They went up and they brought the materials to build a natural house. But if we see it for us now, if you go up to the mountain and have intimacy with the Lord, he'll give you the designs for here. He'll give you the designs of heaven for this season. He'll give you the designs of how to serve the community. He'll give you the designs of how to pray for your children. He'll give you the designs of how to speak to family members that can't hear the word of God. But he'll give you what you need to build his temple. Amen. So um, then, then we just go. I don't know where, where we are. Okay. Then verse 12. Then Zerubbabel. And Joshua, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed, right? So first they heard, then they obeyed. So it was like a repent and action. And the, the, they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the governor of the governor of Judah and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Hosadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. So we see here they decided to obey. And after they obeyed, God came and encouraged them. And he said, remember, I am with you. Is this the first time that the Lord is telling his people, I am with you? Is this the first time that he's telling them, 
don't be afraid. We know that, and they knew that too. They knew that because they knew the books. Of, they knew the story of Joshua. They knew the story of Moses. They would leave. That was their school. That was all they were talking about. So God was not only encouraging them. He was reminding them. I'm giving you a task to do, but I'm going to remind you what I already did. I've been faithful to bring your people before. I took them out of Egypt. Why are you doubting me when I'm calling you to do this work? So that's a constant reminder for us. God is not only encouraging, he's reminding us to remember his faithfulness. Something that we do as a family, whenever we're going through a hard season, we sit down with Chris and we remind ourselves what the Lord already did. And that lifts up our faith. And we're talking to our hearts because we know that the one that has been faithful before is going to be faithful again. So here are these people. They are coming out of being slaves. Do you imagine how their mentality was? They always felt less. They were in, in captivity. And now they have to rebuild the house of the Lord. Comparing this house to the Salomonic temple that was one of the wonders of the world. They were probably really discouraged. I would be discouraged. But here comes the Lord, not only to encourage me, but to remind me that he's done it before and he can do it again. Amen. So, you know what I also love about this is that he reminds them, and then it says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of the whole remnant. God is going to call you to do something. Once you decide to obey, he's not only going to encourage you and remind you of his faithfulness, he's going to move your spirit. He's going to wake you up. He's going to give you the strength to do what he's called you to do. And there's a verse that we always use, and we probably know it, right? Not by might, nor by power, but my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And we usually use that whenever we're going through hard seasons, whenever God is calling us to do something, we remind ourselves. But you know when that that verse was written and who it was written for it was written in Zechariah for Zerubbabel for the leader that was guiding the people to build the temple that verse was given to him it's not by your might not by your power but my spirit so that verse was given to the people that were building the temple God is calling us today to rebuild the temple and you might be looking around me like, well, this temple looks okay. I mean, we just got, we just raised $25,000 for the AC. Honestly, I went to a church this past weekend to pick up some donations. They had a coffee shop and they had a indoor playground, bigger and better than Chick-fil-A. Yeah. So believe me, the temple in the United States is built. But is the temple built? Is your temple built? Is your family built? That's the question. And that's what the Lord is calling us to rebuild. So we're going to continue. Are you guys with me? Yay. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So um, let's go to... All right. So we're going to go now, and I'm just going to read um, Haggai chapter 2. Um, verse 2, it says, Speak to Zerubbabel and to Joshua the high priest and to the remnant of the people and ask them, Who of you is left who saw this house on its former glory? Who, how does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? 
But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. This is what I covenant with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and what is desired by all nations will come and will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord. So it's talking about a greater glory. God knew their hearts. And people that saw the Temple of Solomon were probably looking at this temple and being like, uh-uh, this is not right. This is not worthy. This is not what the Lord deserves. But God goes and tells them the glory of this temple is going to be greater. Now, what was he talking about? He was talking and he was pointing us to Jesus because Jesus was going to come. And then when Jesus comes, he calls himself the temple. And we're going to read that now, okay? So we're going to read in John 2, 16, um, starting with verse 18. This is when Jesus goes in the temple and starts throwing the tables and, and all of that. So they tell him, the Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? And then Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. So what was the glory that they were talking about in Haggai? Jesus. He was the glory that was coming to the temple. He was the greater glory that was coming. So um, let's continue. Um, then I don't, oh, so now we're going to talk about, is it Ephesians, the next one? Sorry. Okay. Ephesians 2.11. 219. But you guys are more than welcome to, to read more because there's definitely context that should, you guys should read. But because of time, we're probably just going to go to this ones. Ephesians 219. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or, and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief corner store. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So my question, who is the temple today? We are. Your family is. Now remember, God told David, you're not going to build me a temple. You're not going to build me a house. I will build your house first. We cannot build anything for the Lord if he doesn't build us first, if he doesn't build our family first, if our families are not being a sanctuary, a temple, right? Okay, so let's continue. 
um, you're no longer, oh, I read that already, 1 Corinthians 3, 5. And, and here we can see how um, they, were, they were discussing, I am from Paul, I am from this person, I am from this church. Um, but the, the Lord is telling them, uh, Paul is telling them, it's not about where you are from, right? Some people seed, some people water. But here, it's, the First Corinthians 3, it says, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Don't you know that yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are the temple. Okay, so we are the temple, right? And when, when there was a prophecy about the greater glory coming to the temple, we know that Jesus is going to come back. We know that that's going to be the end of the greatest glory that we're going to see. But for now, God has called us to be the temple. And it says in the Bible, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So who's supposed to be carrying this glory? We are. Our homes, our churches, right? Okay, and again, um, just to com confirm one more time, First Peter 2.4, it says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are the temple, and we have to believe that that glory is going to happen in our lives. We are the carriers of that glory right now the big difference between Haggai's temple and now the church is Jesus Christ Jesus came and he brought that glory but he also gave us access to his presence and these verses that we're just reading they're all from the New Testament so that confirms that we are now the temple of the Lord um, but I just want to read John 14 and many of us know this verse already it says from verse 16 and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. Who was he talking about? Himself. The world can't know me. They don't see me, but you see me. I live with you. And then it says that he will be in you. So he's giving them the promise of the Holy Spirit in them. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I leave, you also will leave. On that day, you will realize that I am my, in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one of who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then um, verse 23, it says, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So that was the promise of the Holy Spirit, that he's going to come and dwell in us and live in us. And Jesus told them, greater things you guys are going to do. How? Because we're better than Haggai? No, because of him, the price he paid so that today we can live and be led by the Holy Spirit. So the Lord is calling us to rebuild his temple. So if we go back to David, we, can, we know that we can't build his house if he's not building our house. So my question to you again, what is God doing in your temple? 
what is God doing in your life? Because you can easily open a ministry. You can do whatever activities you want to do and name them kingdom. But if your temple, if your life is not being built by the Lord, Psalms 127 says, I know it in Spanish, the, if God is not building the house, the workers that are there, it's, it's in vain. Their labor is vain, right? And that's the thing for us. If God is not working on us, we can be busy here. We can be doing so many things. But if God is not working in our homes, if God is not working in our houses, we've, we've lost it. We never understood what he really called us to do. So um, we, the spirit came and it was the beginning of the church. If we see Acts if you, if you read the book of Acts, you see that there's where the church started, right? The, the Holy Spirit came down, and then Peter started preaching. And, and you read the whole book, and it's like, is this the same Peter that I was reading in the previous books, right? Because it's a complete different person. Um, and Pastor Rick has been talking about rebranding the church, right? And, and yes, we have to rebrand, but we have to rebuild. The church needs to be rebuilt for that the people outside can see what the church is. Because through, all, through everything that has been happening in church through the years, people look at us and they look at us as a broken place. So as believers, we need to rebuild. And how are we going to do that? Only, only through the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, when 2020 started, and I just want to show you guys, I want to share this with you. We were in Bolivia, um, January 2020, and they asked me to preach in, in my church in Bolivia. And the Lord was really clear and spoke to me and said, it's time for the church to be the church outside the church. And that was my preaching. I talked about how we needed to be the temple outside. When me and Chris got married, I told him, I just really want to work in ministry. And Chris told me, oh, I work in ministry. I was like, no, you work in a hospital. And he was like, that's my ministry. The Lord called me, and that's my ministry, because he understood that we have to be the church, not in these four walls, but when we go outside. And when 2020 started, God gave me that word, the church leaves the building. The church is, and I went and preached that in Bolivia, and three months, three months later, nobody could leave their house. We were all stuck in our houses, and the church was going online. But that moment, for us, it was a confirmation that God was calling us to build our church my living room is my sanctuary. My table, my kitchen table is my communion table. And one day we sat down for lunch. It was just, and Elias was two. And we sat down and we said, okay, let's pray. And we hold hands and we close our eyes and I'm getting ready to start praying. And Elias goes like, oraba, shandara, koraba, and starts praying in tongues on the table. And I look at Chris and we're like, where did he learn? I don't know. He doesn't do it anymore. But to me, that was a sign that God was building my house. My kids are not going to learn what worship is because I bring them here on a Sunday. They're going to learn what worship is because I'm going to be worshiping at my house. They're not going to know what prayer is because they hear Pastor Rick. They're going to know what prayer is because I'm going to be praying in my house. I grew up in a church. The church changed my life. The school that was a Christian school changed my life. But now I look back and I remember seeing my parents on their knees, knees praying. And I know I'm here today because they paid a price. Because they were on their knees praying for me. They were building a house 
of Acts. They were building a temple where my life was being changed without me even knowing. And if you read in Acts, that's what, that's what would happen. People would go to the temple. They would get together. I'm not telling you do not come to church. Please, Pastor Rick told me, don't make me fix anything. <laughs> so please be here next Sunday. I'm not saying don't come to church. I am telling you that you are the church. And you have to build. This is a gathering of a lot of little churches, but your church is your home. Your church is where you work. Your church is your kids. That's the temple. And that's how we build a temple. Don't come here to build this temple. Yes. Oh, there's Hermano Johnny. <laughs> Don't come here to build this temple if you're not letting God build your temple at home. And if we see on Acts, they would come and they would be together. And then it says, and they would go to their homes and break bread and pray. And then they would come back and then they would go to their houses. Where did the church really start it? At home. And there was one guy whose testimony just blesses me, and it's Philip, the missionary. And if you read it, it's in Acts chapter 6. It says that the 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 um, disciples were like, we cannot serve the tables and get ready with the word, so we need help. So they prayed, and they chose people to serve the tables. And they chose Philip, this guy, and he was serving the tables. Chapter 8 of Acts, God wakes up Philip and tells him, go to the desert. While he's in the desert, being led by the Lord, in the middle of the desert, there's a, a char chariot, am I saying it right? coming and there is an Ethiopian I practice these words I promise there's an Ethiopian guy in the chariot reading the Bible reading Isaiah so Philip the Lord tells him go and explain to him what it is so Philip goes up and explains to him and the Ethiopian receives the Lord and this guy worked with the queen and then he's baptized in that same chapter and then he takes the message to a whole new nation who did that Peter Paul Jesus Philip the one that was serving the tables. Why? Because he knew he, God was building his temple. And in chapter 21, ah, chapter 21, they talk about Philip again. And they, they mention him as Philip, the missionary that had four daughters that prophesy. The daughters were never mentioned, but they were mentioned there because this guy was not only building the house of the Lord, he was allowing God to build his house and if we're not willing to do that, we're never going to be able to really see God move. God needs to build our homes. Amen? Amen. So we see our church in the USA, the buildings don't need to be rebuilt, right? But, and that's okay, but how is our temple? Our churches are fine, but our families are hurting. And if we don't build temples in our homes, our buildings are going to be empty in the future because our families are going to be broken and there's something that i want to read maybe god has called you to work in ministry to serve in the church to do something and that's awesome that's good make sure your home is being built by the lord for many years families have been sacrificed in the altar of doing kingdom and if we can't do kingdom at home we're just playing church today if my kids know how to worship it's because i'm going to teach them and um, as we see on Philip, her daughters knew they were prophesying. And I'm sure Philip opened his house for apostles to come, for people to be discipled. For, but he made sure that he was doing the kingdom work in his house first, in his four walls. 
So I just want to encourage you today. I know I have little ones in my house. Maybe a lot of you don't, but you, have, you still have kids or you have families or you have sisters or you have brothers or you have grandkids. Build that temple. Work on that temple. And really, let's honor the Lord and let's heal our families, right? I see it every day, broken families. Every client that comes that is looking for an abortion has had a bad experience with family, doesn't have a dad in her life, doesn't have this. I'm not saying God cannot redeem, but it's our work to build a temple of our house. And when we built the temple outside, when, I, when can I build these lives of other clients and help them and preach to them after the Lord has built mine? Amen. So it goes together. Amen. So there's a, there's a song that um, I, I want us to play. And if you guys can stand up, if you feel comfortable, I just want this to be a time where you can pray for your house, where you can pray for your family. And also maybe many of us as the people from Haggai time, right? We're like, nah, it's not time for this yet. Oh, God, God promised me this, but it's not time to, to build this yet. It's not time to have faith to start this ministry. It's not time yet. Even what is God calling you to do? You know, it's not time yet. Well, today the Lord is telling you, build the, te the temple, build my house. Stop focusing on your desires, on what you want to do, but really focus on, on this. And today I was so blessed when I came in and I saw Hermano Johnny and Jason with their vests out there guiding us. And to me, it was like, wow, we have another team that is building the temple. It's an honor to serve in the house of the Lord. Amen. And we can trust that if we serve in his house, he's also going to work in our house because that's how he is. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.